0: Eula, mm-hmm. how did you decide what to wear to work today? You look great, by the way.
1: Oh, I appreciate that. Well, one, um, I had only packed one pair of pants, and I wore those the other day, so <laughs> this is what you came up with. Because you and live in L.A. now. It's yeah. true. And so I um, I really just come up with like a rough draft, usually, of what I want to wear. And then my partner, Marvin, who is a stylist and a has the eye of a god, um, <laughs> makes some edits for me. Wow. You know, he'll come through and kind of be like, you can't have every single character that you love in an outfit.
0: Wow. Yeah. Really? Of, like a whole process yeah
1: i mean i need it otherwise it would just be dragon ball z steven universe and like <laughs> a avatar <laughs> arrow oh, but honestly i just don't really want to think about it if i couldn't you know because i want to wear a uniform yeah yeah plus for me hair... wait why
0: do you want to wear a uniform
1: oh because uniforms are way easier you get up right you open your closet you pull out your uniform oh and yeah. then you put it on And then you don't have to think about how it's going to be perceived by everybody because they're not looking at the uniform. They're looking at your work. Okay. Right? What about you?
0: Well, I mean, right now is actually kind of different because I'm recovering from back surgery. Yes. As you know. So basically all my pants now are like pajama pants that are appropriate to wear out in public. I love it. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) I have three pairs of like flowy linen pants and I just rotate between those and choose like a top to wear with it. So – in a lot of ways, my back surgery has made it easier for me to get ready for work. Mm-hmm. It's surprising me even as I say
1: it. Yeah. But
0: it does take pressure off. Like, I'm not deciding between 800 different options.
1: Um, I often felt paralyzed. Oh, I can imagine. And guess what, Jeannie? If you're a woman, no matter how high you climb, this dilemma of what to wear to work never goes away. Optics govern more or less everything in the political world. And I factored this into every outfit. Do you know who this is, Hula? Mm Mm-hmm. Hello, it's Michelle Obama. (laughs) Can you imagine being the first lady? No. No, me either. So this is from her book, Becoming. She wrote about the ridiculous effort she had to put into getting dressed every day of the Obama administration. I'm talking eight years straight, y'all. So here she is reading from that section from her audiobook. It required time, thought, and money. More money than I'd spent on clothing ever before. It also required careful research by Meredith particularly on foreign trips.
0: It is worth pointing out here
1: that Meredith was one of Michelle Obama's staff members who shopped for her. Mm -hmm. And Michelle Obama also had three people to help her with her hair and makeup when she was first lady. A whole team of people just to make sure she looked okay to leave the house. I sighed sometimes, watching Barack pull the same dark suit out of his closet and head off to work without even needing a comb.
0: I mean, Obviously, the president gets scrutinized for his appearance, too. I mean, does he? Well, I mean, you remember the whole tan suit thing, right? Yes. Yes. (laughs) But even then, it's never as harsh as it is for women on the national stage. I have already seen stories about how the women running for president in 2020 look and dress. Mm -hmm. Nobody writes about men like that. And it Seems like there are pretty clear guidelines for men when it comes to getting dressed for work. If you are a tech bro, you can wear a hoodie and jeans. Oh, yeah. If you work in banking, you probably wear a suit. Mm -hmm. If you work in public radio in Seattle, you probably have on a flannel shirt and hiking boots.
1: Oh, but let's get it right. So if you're a man anywhere in Seattle working or not, you wear a flannel shirt and hiking boots. I can't argue with that. No, that's for true. real. <laughs> but this should be clear by now. Today's episode is about clothing at work. And here's what we're not doing today we're not talking about what's right and what's wrong to wear to work. We're not going to tell you what sweater will make Gary stop talking over you in meetings because there is no outfit that you can wear that will make Gary stop talking over you in meetings and realize how brilliant and talented you are. Girl, that's on you. You are talented. We know it. So this isn't a makeover show. We are not Tan France. Oh, oh, hold on. But Tan, if you're listening, we would love your advice for huge fans.
0: (laughs) That's true. I have no beef with Tan France. Mm -mm. Yeah,
1: I have a French tuck in right now. So
0: do I. Oh, my God. Okay, But okay. In a lot of ways, here's what I have a beef with. With getting dressed for work as a woman because it is kind of a minefield. One, there are no clear guidelines like there are for men. And two, if we get it wrong, the stakes are much higher. For example, we could be really cold. Yes. Another example, probably more important, we could be judged much more harshly. Seen as less capable, less serious, too flirty, too flighty. It's the version of the gaze every woman has to deal with.
1: And cold.
0: Yes. Yes. I think, honestly, all we want is to not freeze to death in -hmm. a conference room and to not get attention, negative attention, for how we look. So that means not spending a trillion dollars on a trillion different outfits that all need dry cleaning.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so how are we gonna do this?
0: Good question. We are gonna experiment. Hmm. Or rather, we're gonna talk to someone who did their own experiment with clothing at work. The goal was to get the men on their team to take them more seriously.
1: And you know it was a battle.
0: This is BTSW.
1: Battle tactics for your sexist workplace. I'm Eula Scott Viner,
0: And I'm Jeannie Yandel.
2: I'm going to wear, like, liquid eyeliner, some lipstick, and I'm just going to be, like, fierce femme. This is Savannah Sly talking about an experiment they did to figure out
0: what to wear to work. Savannah uses they them pronouns, but at the job where they did the experiment, a cannabis startup founded by dudes from the tech world, every executive in the room was a man. Savannah was the director of sales and the only person who didn't present mail. Savannah says none of the other execs took them seriously. And
1: their clients and vendors didn't either. Savannah is a sex worker and advocate, and they give a lot of thought to how they need to dress to convey certain things to their clients. Things like owning expensive clothes and jewelry, or as they put it, you know, being a fancy lady. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They call dressing like this gender drag.
0: Before that, though, Savannah waited tables. And they tried a hairstyle experiment at that job, too. And they found out they made the most money in tips when they wore a ponytail.
2: Well, I was in art school at the time and I was doing a lot of performance art around gender presentation and the everyday costume of clothing and hairstyles and all of that. So I'm like, oh, maybe there's a- another hairstyle that will make me even more money. Turns out it's not. Turns out ponytail is the crescendo of
1: table waiting hairstyles. If you want like a solid 20 percent, you know, and- Well, I, now that I'm thinking about it, a ponytail sounds like you're working really hard. It sounds like you've been working so hard you had to pull your hair back.
2: You know what I think it is? It's like there's so many stories and archetypes behind all these little things. To me, when I think of a young woman wearing a ponytail at a restaurant, it's like girl next door, maybe athletic, working hard. You can see the flouncy of the hair, so it's still like sexy and long, but it's pulled back, so yeah, you're working. Mm -hmm. I think that there's a lot of cultural indicators to a ponytail that flag to a lot of guys like, oh, I want to talk with this person. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> wow, that's deep.
0: Okay, so after you did a hairstyle experiment when you waited tables, you did an experiment with your wardrobe at a cannabis startup you worked at. How did that go?
2: So, I wore my first costume without thinking about it much, which is what I would normally wear if I want to look powerful, confident, like I know what I'm doing and Slightly feminine. And so that would be like some sort of like a tunicky dress thing that may or may not be form fitted or not, with like a blazer or a car- cool cardigan over it, accent necklace, and a little bit of eyeshadow, a mm-hmm. little bit of concealer. Wouldn't wear n- l- lipstick necessarily, not necessarily doing perfume or anything like that, or earrings maybe. Uh, and then always like knee high black boots, mm-hmm. riding boots. And that just feels like, okay, I'm here, I know what's going on, I'm on the cutting
1: edge, and I'm serious about what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I can picture this woman, she works at like TBD, like she shops in like TBD at Nordstrom's. <laughs> you know Nordstrom's? Like, yeah. So the there's like, one is like, you know, like Savvy is like, what is there? There's like one that's young and there's one that's like on its way to being like a grown up. And there's another that's like a grown up with a job. Yeah. And there's another that's like a mom on the weekend. Exactly. And like you're the department of like mom with a job.
2: You just described all these different subtle gender personas. There's so many different flavors in this slice of <coughs> women who work. Mm-hmm. Like so many different flavors it has to do with your yeah, your 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 age, like what you do on the weekends, whether you're single or married, whether you have kids or not. There's like all these different cultural indicators that are
1: very subtle. Mm-hmm. So how many did you do? You just so you did the one woman who's like you know, the first is, you know, structured, has a job, sits in meetings, knows what she's talking about, I imagine. Yeah. But also it's like hip. Yeah. And then what's another experiment? So one of
2: them I tried briefly after that was like, okay, I'm just going to sex bomb it up. It's like, because there was actually some pretty blatant, mm. uh, I got propositioned at my job ah. by people who owned cannabis shops, you know. Um Ugh. Yeah, and I'm like, you can't fucking afford it.
1: <laughs> oh, I would especially. Love it's that like to you're going to mind. buy
2: a lot more weed for my sales commission to even start to represent my hourly rate. For if real, that's
1: what you're interested in. That's beautiful. Oh, I would no. love that
2: response. Like, that one didn't last very long. Yeah. I was like, fuck
1: this. Yeah,
2: like I'm saving that for people. Not who Not a good really return on that. investment yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, why am I showing you how hot I can be? Right. You Big don't that. deserve that. <laughs> Big facts. Right. Um, so then I went in the opposite direction, um, a little closer to how I generally look when I'm at home, which is like pretty gender neutral. And I actually, I like to fancy that when I put on a beanie cap and a big black sweatshirt, I look like Eminem. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm not a huge Eminem fan, but I've realized I'm like,
0: he looks very comfortable.
2: I'm comfortable, yeah. you yeah. know. I'm comfortable. <laughs> For real. I'm not like super masculine. I'm not feminine. I'm just here. I'm smart. I'm paying attention. I got friends. I can hang. Yeah, I have to go go watch athletic. a baseball game. <laughs> I gotta go watch a baseball <laughs> game. The
0: temperature drops. I'm I gotta gonna be fine. crawl through
2: this culvert. I gotta move some boxes. I gotta be a star. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I can do it all. I gotta take a nap. Yes.
1: <laughs> These are all things a an does.
2: <laughs> yeah. So when I'm, you know, so I'm like, I'm gonna try and be Eminem. <laughs> And also I'm going to so that also means putting my hair up and hair is a big thing. Mm -hmm. So wearing my hair in a beanie cap, no makeup, uh, sweatshirt or blazer. It was also winter at this time. So wearing like this like black kind of peacoat thing, but kind of masculinized. And then those boots or sneakers. And my whole thing was I'm going to be your little brother. You Mm -hmm. want me in Mm -hmm. and to let me be your henchman, (laughs) you know, like, like, (laughs) let me work with you guys. Give me the tools I fucking need to get this job done. Cause I was not getting the tools I needed. Mm -hmm. They were not working with me. Mm. It was incredibly crazy making and frustrating. And so I'm like, I'll be Eminem. Like, and did it work? I got, yeah, it, it, it was worked more. The hope in my voice. It worked more. It it did it it um it got me more places and also being in the cannabis world. The cool thing about the cannabis world is like when you're actually interfacing with like bud tenders and the public, like you, you like being like being an everyday person is what gets you the furthest, you know. Because it's everyday people who are smoking pot, using pot. It's a pretty, in many ways, at its core, unpretentious business that came from medical, that came from black market before that, you know. So like looking like Eminem was better actually. It was interesting. My original like. You know, like sharp, young woman, business lady. That look did not get me any kind of love in the stores from the Mm -hmm. people who actually worked there. They're like, oh, you're coming from corporate and you are fucking over the cannabis industry. I'm like, that is 100 percent true. Hmm. So
0: what did you learn from that experiment specifically about clothing?
2: It just underscored that I, I think a lot about the idea of persona And we all have a litany of personas within us. And we can, if we get conscious about them, we can choose to show different sides of ourselves to people. And so all those different little gender experiments that I did, those are all real parts of me. Mm -hmm. And wearing those different outfits bring out different parts of me. They change my body language. Um, It's all real. It is all me. It was just crafted for the situation. And I was trying to figure out what the best part of me was for the job yeah what what were the strongest aspects of myself that i could bring to this particular bizarre environment to try and get through it as successfully as possible
1: yeah everywhere places a particular bizarre
0: i mean i know that feels that feels like a very universal
1: yeah (laughs) totally
0: (laughs) conundrum really yeah so i mean what did you learn about god what an essay question this is what did you learn about workplace sexism from doing that experiment.
2: I learned that it's alive and well.
1: Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> we have a long ways to go. yeah and I wonder if there's something that sex workers could teach mm. I wonder if there's something about sex acknowledgement that we could do in workplaces. It's like if we can just name a thing, acknowledge it and clarify what is and isn't appropriate (laughs) in this particular environment that might be appropriate in all these different kinds of contexts. Yeah. For me, it was the unspoken nature of desire and (laughs) sex appeal and attraction Mm. that is everywhere. Yeah. And... And in this particular workplace, but also in the workplace, there was so many different arenas. There was the investor pitch, there was the team meeting, there was interfacing with store owners, there was talking to bud tenders, there was me and my team. All these different arenas. And it's like, what kinds of behavior is and isn't appropriate?
0: Okay. So um, I'm going to I'm going to kind of come clean a little bit and say that we had talked about doing an episode like this in season one and we avoided doing it. We actually stopped production on it because we came to the realization that there's no such thing as a tactic, really that because the only tactics we could come up with or that people were sort of giving us were like um you know use a subscription service or buy a capsule wardrobe or just this idea that like if you just buy some different clothes no. you can you know and so like my shoulders are heading up towards my ear now my ears now I, this this like personally makes me tense i what tactics i know let's breathe deep breaths. and then savannah i'm going to ask you what tactics you have For thinking through this thing where you would just like to put some clothing on and then go to your job and be treated like a person with
2: a brain. Well, if that can't happen, (laughs) that can't happen, which it can't always. I mean, we're always thinking about how we present ourselves. I mean, you could take jobs out of the equation and think about I'm going back to my hometown to see friends from high school and my family. Yeah, It's like, how am I going to present myself? Is it going to be my everyday self? Probably going to be a curated version not always again it depends some people are fine going to work and being how they are because they work at a place and they are the kind of person where they can just be themselves some people have that experience with their families you know some people don't have that experience with their families or their jobs Mm -hmm. and so i think just getting a little more i mean i don't want to encourage people to be like neurotic or self-assessing too much because i'm i think we all do that plenty Mm -hmm. yeah but thinking about for me at this particular job, and it did help. I mean, it was an untenable job at the end, but I did get what I needed out of it, and I'm glad for the experience. And I learned that I can assess a situation over time and determine what what am I missing from this job, what kind of treatment or attention or feedback or whatever it is, what's missing from this job, what do I need, and how do I bring those elements out of myself that would command that or attract that. Mm-hmm. And I needed maturity. That was one thing. I wasn't being put on the pitch deck. I was seen as young. I had female, too. I have my background in sex work, which not everybody knew about. And I needed to look older, you know, like growing out my gray hair, you know, wearing high-waisted jeans and then seeming totally not not available for any kind of sexual or flirtatious interaction, but though clearly still a woman. Yeah,
0: So then if you're thinking about that in terms of how you might uh, provide a tactic to somebody else, how would you tell them to think through what they might? I'm just going to ask you to give me tactics directly, honestly, because you saw how tense I got just trying to ask the question around tactics. So how would you advise me here? How would you tell me to think through what I should wear to my job as an editor and a podcast co-host at a public radio station. Someone who wants to be taken seriously
2: for their ideas, yeah. mm, right? Taken seriously for your ideas. Um, and then also you're interfacing with people who might be coming in and a little nervous, like me. Oh. So like, <laughs> I love your fuzzy sweater. Well, it's like you. fun. You both seem relaxed. You seem unpretentious, but you seem interesting. And you seem like you seem like you're comfortable and you're interested in ideas mm-hmm. to me. And so I can be comfortable and interested in ideas and I don't need to worry too much about what I'm wearing. Okay. Yeah.
0: So I should be thinking about like my goals at work.
2: That's what I think about. I'm always thinking about what's my goal. How do I want to make this person feel? I think also as somebody who provides experiences for a living, that's just something I'm kind of hardwired to do at this point. Yeah. How do I want this person to feel when they're around me? Who do I want them to think I am? Mm -hmm. Hmm. Who do I want them to think I am? Because we all think that everybody can see everything. Oh my God, they can oh see gosh, that I've had a they can see that I didn't sleep a wink last night because I broke up with my partner. Yeah. They can they can see that I wish I didn't eat that extra bagel
1: for breakfast. That I don't actually know Excel.
2: <laughs> that I don't actually know Excel. We actually can't see those things. Those are things that we are like almost emitting by obsessing on them, but we can't see them. I don't know hardly anything about you guys except for what I've heard on the radio. It's mm-hmm. all Presentation, there's so many of us, we're all caught up in our little worlds, and you can make yourself into different people for everybody mm, okay. all the time. Not to be complicated, but
0: well, I mean, par- part of me really likes that idea because I feel like I can organize my thinking around this in a way that I couldn't before. Before it was just like, I <laughs> don't I don't know. Yeah. Um but I also feel like so I- I'm a little reticent to to try it, in part because We've had a lot of conversations on the podcast about the idea of the ideal worker. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's somebody who separates themselves from their work lives. Right. So sort of the personal right. and professional are there's a there's a hard wall there. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a little concerned that if I if I try this, that's where I'm going to end up right. separating
2: my personal self from my professional self. Right. We don't want to compartmentalize and like disassociate. Exactly. But, again, I come back to persona. It's always you. It is always you. You can't, unless you are, I don't know what you would diagnose that as, you know, like, but... We can't divorce ourselves from ourselves completely. That's why going to work can be so hard. Like, I just can't be myself. (laughs) And it's like, you know, you just got to turn up or down the volume knobs on different aspects of yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, If I was somebody who was a creative in a creative field and I wanted people to take my ideas seriously in a sea of ideas, like everybody's got ideas, it's like I would want to seem insightful and fascinating. And I would want to seem like I've got a natural, intuitive pulse on an undercurrent of information that other people aren't quite hip to yet, you know, mm-hmm. like a little bit of like mysterious intrigue, and really like you have a vision. Like I can see. I have these ideas. Mm-hmm. That would just be how I would approach it. But mm-hmm. then it's like you think of that archetype. It's like who's the artist? Who's the idea? The the idea generation? The 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 magician? The the person who can grab things from the ether and bring them into things that can be shared in a radio format or in a painting or a play or whatever, a political campaign, being that visionary. There's a lot of different kinds of visionaries. Mm-hmm. And so maybe also looking at um, my my good, good friend, uh, Mistress Matisse, who is an icon unto herself, has taught me the importance of having an icon, having a style mm. icon. Um, <laughs> mm, that's good. Yeah. Especially it's like 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 think about who you admire and what they did in their life and it's like maybe take a little note out of their book you know like maybe it's the glasses they wore or the way they wore their hair or just like like
1: how they carry themselves it doesn't even have to be what they wore just you know exuding that energy
2: exactly exactly and i think that some when we put on different things they help us exude different qualities Mm -hmm. of ourselves you know when i when i when i dress up like a dominatrix there's, I kind of feel like a doctor. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it just does something. You know, <laughs> there's something about red lipstick that's just like, I'm going to destroy you. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I put on a blazer, when I put on a blazer, I automatically feel like I am down to brass tacks. You yeah. know, it's just so hmm. finding out, like, look at different icons, people you admire, what worked for them, and then think about what in your wardrobe is compatible with whatever the situation is work family going on a date whatever it is and it's got to have some power for you there and it's going to it has to draw out a quality of yourself that you're trying to amplify okay.
1: so what if yeah. what if though i'm like 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 me you i feel like i have like a, i have an idea of myself getting dressed right and but i have on the other hand have had um people mentor and mentee over me who are constantly telling me how to dress and i've of course leaned into it sometimes or leaned away from it sometimes mm-hmm. um So if I'm trying to be myself and this person, obviously, I'm sure they want me to be myself, but they also want me to stay at this damn job. (laughs) Like, what can I how can I handle that kind of feedback? A lot of people get feedback from women about how to dress. Yes.
2: Yeah. actually, Jeannie, when we were talking a while back, you were like, what advice would you have for political candidates? And it's like, Mm. that's a whole kind of like mass NLP hypnosis uh, calculation that I'm not qualified to make because you are again. It's like how do I want these people to see me? What's the story? Who do I want them to think I am? Who do I want them to know me as? Yeah. And sometimes it can be deception, like fake it till you make it, mm-hmm. which I do believe in. Like I'm going to make myself into this thing that I am not presently because I need to draw it out of myself. It does. It's not there yet. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's like no, I just need to selectively show you a certain side of my persona. You know, it's like you don't need to know about. My party animal on the weekends. Yeah. You don't need to know that I'm actually like really into like gongs and crystals. You know, <laughs> I just want you to know that like I am relatable to you. How am I relatable to you? You know, and so a lot of politicians like go for like a really mainstream look. Mm-hmm. And it's like even like, you know, politicians who wear like red nail polish or lipstick, it's like, whoa, like yeah. raciness in yeah. the legislature. And it's like, really? Because you have to appeal. To the most common denominator. Yeah. Hmm.
0: So one of the reasons that I get tense just thinking about this is I actually used to spend a lot of time thinking about clothing. I was a costume designer. I was a makeup right. designer. Right. I loved clothes. Like, I loved altering my own clothes and all of this. And now for a whole basket full of reasons, I find it all exhausting. Yeah. Like, can it ever be fun? I mean. <laughs> yes. Yes. Can yes, it, even for work, can it ever be fun? Clothing, can or is it just always trying fun. to manipulate other people
2: into just seeing you as a full person? <laughs> so I'm somebody who gets <laughs> dressed to the nines. I know I'm going to go lay down times under the table day. now. No, Sorry, it's like, I get ahead. dressed to the nines because I need to be a professional fantasy mm-hmm. where I look great, you look great, this is great, we're going to have a great time. So, but that said, I did get pretty burnt out a few years ago. I got really burnt out on putting makeup on every day and, and, and fan and complicated lingerie and stockings that hopefully didn't have a run in them. And like, I'm not big on high heels, but it's like, just like, I just yes. like, got, got like I got, I started to get resentful of having to be this thing. Yeah. You know, yes. Um, So what that meant to me was I need a little time off. I need balance in my life. I need to be able to express different aspects of myself more, you know. And maybe that's hippy-dippy me who doesn't, like, shave my legs every day. Or I wear, like... You know, a denim shirt with paint all over it because I'm doing house projects. Maybe it means also that I need to be doing other things. Mm -hmm. It's like if I'm spending too much time in an arena where I need to be this, it's not even the persona that's the issue. It's the amount of time spent in that arena. I need to balance Uh my life in other arenas. And, like, we are quintessentially imbalanced in our work life here in this society, right? So that's the indicator. But then I think there's special occasions. I just had my 35th birthday. And, um... Happy birthday. Oh, yeah. thanks. Well, by just, I mean, like, at some point this year. Okay. <laughs> Before I made my new resolution Happy birthday to thanks. all of
0: us. Happy birthday,
2: guys! <laughs>
0: anyway. So
2: Your day. Look at us. Your day. <laughs> <laughs> but for my birthday, I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm 35, and I'd had a pretty rough time. Like, it was, like, not a great month. And I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna get real dressed up. So I wore this amazing embroidered leather shirt that I have that's like a cowboy shirt and did my hair up nice and I had bangs, did some little braids, wore like all the weird jewelry I want, jeans, big boots, and uh bright light I usually never wear lipstick in my day-to-day, but I'm like, I'm gonna wear like a crazy color lipstick and I'm gonna put on like mascara. I don't even do mascara. I was just like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm just gonna do this. And I'm gonna go drink tequila. And I'm yeah. gonna go to a museum. And I'm just gonna like Because why not? I can play with this. It was just the playfulness of, like, I've never put all these things together before. It's still me, but don't I look fresh? And I'm going to go and have a day where I do whatever I want. Yeah. I like that day.
0: I love that idea. It was a great
2: birthday outfit. Mm
0: -hmm. I also love, I mean, aside from celebrating your birthday the whole year, which I think we've all just decided we're doing. Happy birthday. I know. Happy birthday to all of us. Um. I also just love the idea of looking at being exhausted like that as an indicator of something else. Yes. Right? It's not about the clothes. It's about something else. Yes. That's actually really, that's very helpful.
2: That is helpful. I'm glad that we were able to get to that. I know. Thanks for thanks for working through this with yeah. us. Yeah, yeah. We're all just working through this. I'm thinking about the
0: list I would make from the tactics that you talked about, that idea of have like know what your goals are. Yeah. Right? Um, and if you're thinking about what you want to project, it's about, it's it's part of it. it needs to be part of who you are already. It's mm-hmm. you know, you're not trying to you're not trying to be somebody else. Yeah. Right. You're not trying to take yourself out of what
2: you do at work. I think also what is the goal? Are you trying to build rapport and be relatable and be one of the group? Mm-hmm. Are you trying to be separate from the group and that you are a manager, you know, or you are a customer? Or you have something they want. Do you want to be desirable? Do you want to be the person with those great ideas? The person with, um, the person with that, with all those accounts. Yeah. You know, do you want to be the person that is desired? It's like those are all different things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's like I'm, I'm advertising desirability, or I'm advertising power and dominance, or I'm advertising I am one of you and I'm on your team. And there's others. Yeah. Mm.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. This is so
1: valuable. I just keep thinking about like. You know how much this I thought of these things as I was going into every interview slash job I've ever had, and how little I was aware of uh of it. Yeah. But how I'm how sure I am that I was trying to make sure that I was presenting smart, intelligent, likable, sellable, all of those things. Um. But I didn't. I don't know if I put uh science behind it. But I love you know your breakdown.
0: Well, and I have to say, I mean, I'm thinking about this in terms of. In the past, when I have done that, it's made me incredibly nervous and uncomfortable. Sure. But it doesn't, it's because I never thought about it as an extension of myself. It's an extension of you. I've gotten through 45 years of my life never thinking about this in this way.
2: <gasps> yeah, it's really and interesting. it is like, I, it's, I don't mean to overcomplicate things, but we're talking about tactics. And I think a lot of, we do these things subconsciously. If we just bring a little more mindfulness to it, when we're getting ready, when we're at home, before we're having a job interview, which is so stressful. It's yes. like, before you go in, it's like, What archetype am I, you know, like, am I going to be your new dominant manager who's going to like kick ass around here, you know, or am I going to be part of your team or am I that mysterious person with all the ideas that you want, you know, think about that beforehand and just imbue yourself with that and then go into it and like don't hang your brain up on thinking about it as like some sort of like equation, you know, just it's part of you and you have already set up, you've already set the deck to exude those qualities
0: too good. I love that so much. Okay. Savannah Sly, sex worker extraordinaire, thank you so much for coming in and talking with us today.
2: It's my total and absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you.
1: Oh my god, I'm so grateful for Savannah doing that. I would never have come up with that experiment on my own. Mm -hmm. So what did you get from this episode?
0: I mean, weirdly... It felt freeing to think about dressing for work as a kind of experiment in persona. Yeah. I mean, I will be honest that I am still not crazy about spending more money or time investing in a professional wardrobe Hell no. knowing I could be judged harshly if I get it wrong. Mm. But I do like the idea of owning what I'm trying to project rather than reacting to how people might see me. Yeah. It kind of reminded me of how I used to approach costume and makeup design in college, actually.
1: Oh, my gosh. That's right. I forgot that you majored (laughs) in costume design in college. My
0: college loan balance reminds me constantly. (laughs) Um, But seriously, one of the things I would ask myself is how do the costumes and makeup I put characters in contribute to the world of the play? And how do the costumes and makeup tell the audience what they need to know about these characters? That's one of the big functions of costume design what messages do the clothing and makeup send?
1: Mm -hmm. It's unique to think about all of our messages that we're sending constantly and how inaccurate they are just because we're in costume versus our reality.
0: Or we just are wearing what's clean, which is usually what I'm doing. (laughs) So what about you? What did you take away from that interview?
1: Mm, So I've actually been leaning way more into my looks when I get dressed really for anything. Hmm. And for work, I'm actually more comfortable buying less and repeating my looks. Because like, here's the thing. If this is like you look professional and what I have on right now, then it's going to be EULA professional no matter how many times I wear it or whether or not I rotate it with the other EULA professional things in my closet. Yeah. So if you've been on our IG like I mean you see my fuzzy sweater I (laughs) consider that EULA professional. (laughs) It seems silly to have multiple presentations with the same message you know. Yeah. Like I'm confident knowing that no outfit tells my story or like anyone's true story really.
0: Yeah. Well to paraphrase you from earlier There's no sweater you can wear, fuzzy or otherwise, that will make Gary realize how
1: brilliant and talented you are. You are so right. You're so right, Jeannie. I was so right. You were so right! Oh my gosh, it's so meta. That makes me feel good. That makes me feel good about getting dressed. Mm -hmm. So, in this long uphill fight against workplace sexism, if I pull my load, will you pull yours? I will do it. And I will do it in my flowy linen pajama pants. Hell yeah. BTSW is a production of KUOW in Seattle. Our senior producer is Caroline Chamberlain Gomez. She's got all the names. Special thanks to Patrick Mulligan, who helps us with marketing and promotion.
0: Our director of new content and innovation is Brendan Sweeney. Special thanks to Michaela Kiner and Richika Tulshian, who have been advising us this season. And special thanks again to Christy Scheuer, who writes our web posts.
1: This podcast was inspired by the book Feminist Fight Club, written by Jessica Bennett.
0: Our theme music was composed by Kessia Gordon. Our graphics designer is Teal Popescu. I'm Jeannie Yandel.
1: I'm Eula Scott Bino. Keep up the good fight. See you soon.